probably heard this before. Um, and when we get to the chorus, I want everybody to sing along with Hallelujah.
Good morning, everyone. Welcome. Glad that you're here today. I'm glad to be here today. I'll tell you what, it's been a long week. <laughs> we, we, are, we, are, we do welcome you here this week or this Sunday. We welcome our guests especially. You're so important to us, and we're glad that you're here and hope that you'll feel very much a part of our family as we worship God together today. Uh, let me remind everyone of our attendance sheets on each row. We'd like to ask if you would to fill those out so we could have a record of your attendance with us this morning. And uh, as you're doing that, uh, you may be wondering, well, what's Tim talking about? It's been a long week. I want to ask all these people with these green shirts on to stand up for a second here. It, it, wasn't, it wasn't just green day today. <laughs> Uh, the, the, these are your, this is your mission team that has been uh, away all week long, uh, some half a week, some ha- all week, and we have been working hard. Uh, and I wanted to have pictures of the of the house up here, but I just didn't have time to get it up. Wait, 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 wait. Oh, oh no, oh no. We do have some pictures. Oh, good. Well, well I'm not sure. I, saw, I knew one of them that you took. Oh, that <laughs> Okay, good. That's, that's, uh, that's probably about Tuesday. And that's Tuesday. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> you know, somehow I knew you were going to do that. <laughs> uh, I, I, but I wish I had a picture of the... Uh, thank you. Y'all could be seated. Um, I wish I had a picture of the completed house, but you can go out on Facebook, on our, our Community Baptist face, fake, Facebook page, and there are all kinds of pictures on there, uh, including one of the finished product. We started on, um, on Monday. We got, we got there on Sunday afternoon, late Sunday afternoon, and we went out. And actually, the pre-build, there's some people who come in on, on the Wednesday before and kind of pre-build the building and kind of get it to its basic State, and they were pretty far along, uh, further than they usually are. Uh, we, when we got a hold to it, and when we got a hold to it, man, we just went crazy. And actually, towards the end of the week, we were going, okay, what do we need to do? You know, because we were running out of jobs to do. Uh, but it was a wonderful, wonderful week. And uh, a young family will be well already have this house because in one week's time we finished this house with all these volunteers working. We finished the house. And yesterday we had a very uh, emotional and wonderfully exciting dedication of that house. As we dedicated that house to God, we gave the family, uh, uh, Tasha uh, Eldridge is a mother and two children, Lucas and and, uh, Gracie, we gave each of them Bibles and then we gave them the keys to the house and helped them move in. And they're there now. So what a wonderful, wonderful blessing that is. This is, McCreary County is one of the poorest uh, counties in the nation. And uh, we were told while we were there that over our 10-year period and this commitment that we've had over a 10-year period, we've had over a $1.5 million impact on that county. That makes... That makes a lot of difference, folks, in a poor county like that. A million and a half dollars makes a lot of difference in a county like that. So thank you, mission team, and thank you, everybody here who was praying for us and, and, and helping us along. Thank you so much because it takes us all uh, to do something uh, like that. 
Okay, we've got some exciting things coming up here this week. Let's see here. No time for the weary to rest, you know, all you green-shirted folks. We've got Vacation Bible School starting tomorrow, tomorrow morning at 9 a.m. Uh, we will be doing like we have over the past number of years, uh, coordinating or collaborating with First Christian Church and St. Paul's Episcopal Church and Presbyterian Church, and we are meeting here this year. Uh, so be here tomorrow at 9 or a little before if you want, and just be a presence. You may have a job already to do. If you show up, I bet you we'll find something for you to do. Uh, so please be here for that. And since we're, we're going to be using this space, uh, after the worship service, if you are able to, please help us uh, remove the chairs and stack the chairs so we can uh, set up for, for that today. Uh, also, since this is the week of Vacation Bible School, we will not be having any, uh, any programs on Wednesday, so we won't be having dinner or Bible study or anything Wednesday. Uh, so no Wednesday evening programs. And uh, Christine, I think she, uh, you have a couple of announcements to make as well. Well, if you didn't already know, next Sunday is Father's Day. So the gentlemen were kind enough to prepare breakfast for the mothers on Mother's Day. So we will be reciprocating by preparing breakfast next week. So if you can prepare a breakfast casserole, sweetbread, muffins or fruit, just let me know and we'll kind of coordinate that for next Sunday and that will start at 9 a.m. And then we will be serving at King's Kitchen on June 23rd and the menu's posted in the bulletin. If you can help prepare any of those items, please let me know. Uh, Sybil will be coordinating the servers this time since Jika's out and we do need five people to help with serving at King's Kitchen on Tuesday the 23rd. So if you can help with that, see Sybil, please. Thank you. Thank you so much. Also next week, it is Father's Day, and on Father's Day, we will be having a special part of our service as we dedicate Kenley Lear uh, to, to the Lord that day as well. Let's stand and let's sing our song of gathering now, uh, number 333, Leaning on the Everlasting Arms. Thank you. 
God, we gather in your name this morning to bring to you our prayers and our petitions, to sing your praises, to hear and to study your word. We confess our sins to you and accept by faith your promise to forgive. Thank you, God. Thank you for this Lord's Day, for bringing your people into a preview of your kingdom, for giving us this foretaste of glory. And we know that we cannot truly comprehend the nature of your kingdom, but on, on the Lord's Day we know that it's a wonderful and glorious, it's beyond our belief. And we look forward to the day, that day when your kingdom is made complete throughout the entire world. But as we wait, we are mindful of our responsibilities and our duties. You have not created, created us to be idle. Instead, you have given us strong hands and sharp minds and compassionate spirits. And we ask that you put us to work for the sake of your kingdom. Sanctify the jobs that you have called us to so that we may do them as unto you. We pray for our nation and her leaders that they may follow after justice and righteousness. We pray for our nations and our states' economies, especially for the poor in our midst. Raise up your church, O God, to deeds of faith and generosity. We pray for your church that in in her goals and objectives she would not lose focus on her primary responsibility of speaking words and engaging in actions that proclaim the good news of your kingdom to all who hear and see. Grant us your wisdom and your discernment. Give us strength for the day and faith during troubled times. And we pray for our brothers and sisters in Christ that we would all grow in the grace and in the knowledge of Jesus, doing good works to his glory. Amen. us all join together for a responsive reading titled The Kingdom of God. Jesus said, the time has come. The kingdom of God is near. Do you bring in a lamp to hide it under a bowl? Instead, don't you put it on a stand? Whatever is hidden will be revealed. The kingdom of God is Jesus said, the kingdom of God is like a mustard seed, the smallest of seeds. Yet when planted, it becomes the largest of plants. The time has come. The kingdom of God is here. Jesus said, the kingdom is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he sold all he had and bought it. 
Jesus said, Let the children come to me, for to such belongs the kingdom of God. The time has come. The kingdom of God is near. Jesus said, Do not be afraid, for your Father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the poor. Provide purses for yourselves that will not wear out, a treasure in heaven that will not be exhausted. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The time has come. The kingdom of God is near. Let us all live kingdom lives. Let us be Christ's presence in the world. Amen. Scripture reading today is from Mark chapter 4, verses 26 through 34, if you'd like to follow along with your Bibles, your tablets, or you can follow along on the screen up above. He also said, the kingdom of God is as if someone would scatter seed on the ground and would sleep and rise night and day, and the seed would sprout and grow. He does not know how. The earth produces of itself first the stalk, then the head, 
than the full grain in the head. But when the grain is ripe, at once he goes in with his sickle, because the harvest has come. He also said, With what can we compare the kingdom of God? Or what parable will we use for it? It is like a mustard seed, which, when sown upon the ground, is the smallest of all seeds on earth. Yet when it is sown, it grows up and becomes the greatest of all shrubs and puts forth large branches so that the birds of the air can make their nests in its shade. With many such parables, he spoke the word to them as they were able to hear it. He did not speak to them except in parables, but he explained everything in private to his disciples. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
please pray with me? Lord, we want to thank you for providing all of our needs. We want to thank you for the beautiful day that you provided today and for bringing all of us here together. And we want to thank you for each other. But most of all, Lord, we want to thank you for loving us. Uh, we ask that you be with Jika as she is home healing after her surgery, Lord, and be with her family. And we ask that you be with all of those in our congregation that are uh, not able to be with us today, Lord. Please take these tithes and offerings and just help us to um, use our talents and our time and these tithes and to go out into the world, Lord, and may others see you in us. In your name we pray. Amen. Me. 
Thank you, Rick. God does raise us up, and you have raised us up here as well, so thank you so much for that. A father uh, took his four-year-old son out to McDonald's one night for dinner for one of those uh, guys' getaways, uh, guys' nights out, and as they were uh, eating their burgers, the boy asked his daddy, Dad, what are these little things on the buns, on the hamburg buns? And the father explained that they were just tiny little seeds that they were okay to eat, everything we find, just enjoy them there. And so the boy continued to eat his, his burger. 
But his dad could tell that he was deep in thought, so he finally asked, what are you thinking about? And the boy looked up and he said, well, Dad, if we go home and we plant these little seeds in our backyard, will we have enough hamburgers to last forever? (laughs) (laughs) That's probably not a bad guess for a four-year-old. However, we know that hamburgers do not come from sesame seeds. But Josh was right, the little boy Josh, he was right about one thing. Tiny seeds can produce bountiful harvests. In today's lesson from the Gospel of Mark, we discover two parables in which Jesus compares God's kingdom to seeds. The first one reads like this. This is what the kingdom of God is like. A man scatters seed on the ground night and day, whether he sleeps or or gets up, The seeds sprout and grow, though he does not know how. All by itself, the soil produces grain, first the stalk, then the head, then the full kernel. And as soon as the grain is ripe, he puts the sickle to it because the harvest has come. Now, remember this is a parable about the kingdom of God. And what is the kingdom of God? It is the reign of God in human life. It is the rule of God in human life. Jesus taught us to pray, if you remember, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's what the kingdom is about. It's about doing the will of God on earth just as it is done in heaven. And so in other words, the the day is coming, as we think about God's kingdom, the day is coming when God's love is going to reign in every heart. And at that point, the world will live, live in peace. The world will live in peace and harmony and love. And there will be no more pain. There will be no more hunger. There will be no more war. The kingdom came into this world with the advent of Jesus Christ. And by the power of His Holy Spirit, it has been growing ever since. Now I want you to notice in this first parable that The farmer, he doesn't even plow the seed under the soil. He doesn't irrigate it. He doesn't do anything like that. He just kind of throws it out there, scatters the seed on the ground. And then Jesus says night and day, whether the farmer sleeps or gets up, the seeds sprout and grow, though he does not know how. All by itself, the soil produces grain, first the stalk, then the head, then the full kernel. All by itself, the earth produces grain, and the grain matures and stages, one stage after another. The soil just kind of does this automatically. Well, In the Greek translation, scholars tell us that a better rendering would be that the seed does this without visible cause or without human agency, without human intervention here. And And what that means is that the kingdom is God's work. It's God's work. God is responsible for the outcome, not us. God's kingdom is coming. It is coming. With or without our help, it is coming. And that's the amazing thing about seed. Because a lot of times it will grow without our help. And not only that, but it will also grow with great abundance. 
a certain gardener decided to count the seed pods on a medium-sized mustard plant. There were 85 seed pods on the plant. And the average number of seeds in each pod was eight. And since there are usually two crops in a given year, this gardener figured out that it was possible in the time between February and October to produce a yield of 462,400 seeds all from this one original plant. That's a lot of seeds. And you know what? The kingdom of God is just like that. We may not see it. It may be hidden by the maddening follies of human behavior, but that doesn't mean it is not at work. It is. It is growing. It is expanding. It is exerting its influence in places and in ways that we may not think. It is there. I like um, John Bukema's analogy of the century plant. The century plant is a native in the desert regions, and it's called a century plant because it is such a slow grower. It takes forever. It, for decades, it just, it, it'll just sit there. It shows very little sign of any growth. It just kind of looks like a scrubby, ugly little bush. But then, I, and I'm not even sure why this happens, but then suddenly, one day, it just suddenly starts growing. And when it starts, it takes off. It may grow a half a foot a day. And it reaches up to about 40 feet tall. And after it's reached its full height, the century plant will suddenly produce these beautiful yellow flowers, these bright yellow flowers that will last for, for weeks at a time. It's a spectacular sight for anyone who is patient enough to look for it. And the kingdom of God is just like that. We may not see any signs of the kingdom at work. And we may even be discouraged because of all of the stuff that's going on out there. But then suddenly, without warning, God does some wondrous thing, some wondrous new work. And we look with delight at what God has done. That, of course, is what Jesus had in mind when he told our second parable. The parable of the mustard seed. What shall we say the kingdom of God is like? Or what parable shall we use to describe it? It is like a mustard seed, he said, which is the smallest of all seeds on the earth. Yet when planted, it grows and it becomes the largest of all the garden plants with such big branches that the birds can perch in its shade. The common black mustard seed. Now, I have some mustard seeds in my, on my desk. You've seen it, and that's the little white ones. But the common black mustard seed is not nearly as large as those. The common black mustard seed was the smallest of all of the seeds that were sown in the fields of Palestine. And listen to this, folks. It took about 760 mustard seeds to weigh one gram. Now you're thinking, well, what's a gram? How small is a gram? It takes 28 grams to make one ounce. That means it takes 21,280 mustard seeds to equal one ounce. 
That's how small a mustard seed is. But growing from such a small seed as that, the mustard shrub becomes one of the largest of all of the garden plants in that area. It reaches heights of about 12 to 15 feet in just a few weeks' time. And from such an insignificant beginning, a large, beautiful thing occurs. And the same thing is true of the kingdom of God. You see, God's kingdom was embodied in Jesus Christ. But think about his life. He was born in an obscure little village from, uh, of, of peasant parents. And he worked until he was 30 years old in a carpenter shop. He gathered around him a motley group of men and women, most of whom who were drawn from the lower tiers of society. And yet, just like that insignificant little mustard seed will quickly outgrow all of the other plants in the garden, so too will the kingdom of God surpass all of the earth's kingdom, kingdoms in power and glory. So what can we learn from these two parables? Well, first of all, we learn that God works through small, insignificant acts of life to build God's kingdom. And the reason why is that one small, seemingly insignificant act often leads to another one, and then another one, and then another one. Let me give you an example of what I'm talking about. How many of you have ever heard the name Rick Ruzamente. I didn't think so. Not too long ago, Rick Ruzamente, who is a a native of Riverside, California, he made the news with a radical act of kindness for a stranger. You see, Rick donated one of his kidneys to someone he never knew, he never met. Didn't even know who it was. Didn't know know where it was going. Now, uh, until later on. Now, you and I might we might donate a kidney to a family member. We might donate a kidney to a, maybe a good friend, or, but a complete stranger? That's something. He was inspired by a friend who donated a kidney to help someone, and Rick's kidney ended up in a man in, in Livingston, New Jersey. Now, that's a pretty amazing story in and of itself, isn't it? But what really makes this story even more wonderful is that Rick's selflessness the selfless act started a chain reaction of kidney donations. You see, the, the niece of the man who received his kidney, Rick's kidney, made a donation to someone else, giving one of her kidneys to a perfect stranger. And on and on it went until within a relatively short period of time, 30 people had received kidneys as a result of this chain of giving set off by Rick's act of compassion. Now, Rick is rather matter-of-fact about his gift. According to Rick, people think it's so odd that I'm donating a kidney, but what I think is so odd is that people think this is so odd. (laughs) You know, whether he knows it or not, Rick Ruzamente planted a seed for the kingdom of God when he donated that kidney to a stranger. You see, any time one human being does a loving act for another human being, the kingdom of God comes closer. Just a few years ago, Richard Lisher wrote a book called Open Secrets about his first year of ministry. Uh, He was fresh out of divinity school and full of enthusiasm, and he found himself assigned to a small 
conservative church in an, an economically depressed town in southern Illinois. And this was not really what he expected, not, and really not what he wanted, to be honest. This was far from what this overly enthusiastic and optimistic young man expected. The town was bleak. It was, it was poor. It was clearly not a step on his path towards a brilliant career. It was an awkward marriage at the best. A young man with a Ph.D. in theology full of ideas and ambitions, determined to improve his parish and bring them into the 20th century or the 21st century. But often he didn't understand his congregation, and a lot of times they didn't understand him. It was only later that Lisher began to see what he could not see while he was trying to be the perfect pastor of that little congregation. Because you see, the kingdom of God was happening in that small church, even though he couldn't see it. He asked the question, why couldn't I see the kingdom of God happening in our little church? He said people in our congregation every week volunteered to exercise the legs of a little girl with cerebral palsy so that her her muscles would not grow weak and atrophy. People helped one another put up hay before the rains came. And when a neighbor lost his farm, we all grieved with him and refused to bid on his tools at the auction. Weren't these all signs of the kingdom of God, he asks? Why couldn't I see them? Well, they were signs of the kingdom. Every act of kindness to a neighbor or a stranger, every effort, no matter how small, to improve our world, every act of witness to the presence of God in our world is used by God as a building block for God's kingdom. And so I believe that there are three truths that we need to take with us when we leave this place today. The first one is that God is at work in our world. Please know that. I like the way Megan Feldmeyer put it. She spoke at chapel at uh, Duke University a while back. And she reminded her audience of the Bette Midler song, From a Distance. You remember the song. It was recorded in the early 90s. It won a Grammy. and, And it talks about how from a distance the world looks blue and green and snow-capped mountains white and from a distance there's harmony and no guns or bombs or disease and God is watching us from a distance. You remember the song. Well, Feldmeyer notes that the song is so lovely. It has these wonderful images of peace and harmony that you, you almost find yourself believing it. That is, until you finally realize that It's totally false. In fact, it's heresy. It's theological garbage. Because, folks, the parable of the mustard seed tells us that God is not watching us from a distance. God is not some pie-in-the-sky God who looks down upon us and glosses over all of the suffering in the world, who doesn't deal with the reality of our lives. No, God doesn't do that. God of the mustard seed is a God who comes to earth to be with us. A God who reduces God's self to the scant, insignificant life of a poor carpenter. A God who enters into the dirt and mud and pain and suffering of folks in this world and who gently but persistently 
cracks open a new life. If you were to pick up a handful of dirt and soil, the mustard seed is so small that you would probably not be able to find it. It's hidden. It's out of sight. It's hard to find even when you're looking for it, but it doesn't mean it's not there. The mustard seed awaits, concealed and invisible, until the time is ripe to unleash the mighty rebirth. Just because we can't see the mustard seed doesn't mean that the mustard seed is not there. And in the same way, our inability to see does not affect God's ability to be. And God is always for us. Second thing we need to see is that our attitude as Christians should always be one of hopefulness. You know, so many people are are being stirred to despair these days by the probably because of the constant barrage of bad news on our cable news networks. You know, but you need to remember these networks, hey, they have a lot of time to fill. They got, you know, they're going 24, 7, 365. They got a lot of time to fill. And you know what sells? Bad news. Bad news sells, always sells. And, and since in any part of the world you can always find something disturbing going on, we look at this, the news networks, and, and it seems like the whole world's just coming apart. But folks, let me tell you something. It's not. It's not. The truth of the matter is that there's less bad news in the world today than there ever has been before. People are living longer. Less people are living in poverty today than they ever have been before. And on the whole, the the world is a, a safer place. It's a more peaceful Today, I know it's hard to believe, but it's more peaceful today than it's ever been before. Even in most large cities in the United States, the streets are safer than they were just a few decades ago. Now, that doesn't mean that there won't be genuine crises from time to time, but the truest words of any song ever written are these. This is my father's world. Oh, let me ne'er forget that though the wrong seems oft so strong, God is the ruler yet. My friends, God is at work in the world, and, and, and because of that, our attitude should always be one of hopefulness. Not because of anything that we're doing, but because of what God is doing in our world. The kingdom of God is coming. And that brings us to the final thing to be said this morning, and here it is. Let's make sure that we're on the winning side. Folks, we don't want to be standing in God's way when the kingdom comes. We want to be on the side of hope and peace and love and healing and faith. Some of you will remember when the Seattle Seahawks used to play their games in a stadium called uh, known, known as the, the Kingdom. Well, Pastor Joe Harding said that he was listening to the radio, a game on the radio one day, uh, providing the, the play-by-play action of a game being played between, in the Kingdom between the Seattle Seahawks and the New Orleans Saints. 
And it was late in the fourth quarter. It looked like the Seahawks were going to win this game, but then the, the Saints got one more chance, one last chance with the ball. They had a few plays that looked pretty successful. They kind of got a little, little momentum going, and anticipation was growing. And the announcer said, the, the Saints are marching down the field. The Saints are playing together. Now it looks like the Saints are going to win in the kingdom. Glad y'all got that. <laughs> well, folks, let me tell you something. That's one of the few things that you can count on. In this turbulent world, God is winning in the kingdom. The saints of God are winning in the kingdom. And the only way that you can be certain that you are on the winning side is to be faithful in serving God and in serving others. Like a seed planted in the ground, even if it's as tiny as a little bitty mustard seed, the kingdom will spring forth eventually as a blessing to all. So I leave you with this. Let us all jump on board and help God make it happen. Let us, with our words, with our deeds, spread the joy and the love of God's kingdom to all. Amen. Let us sing together our closing hymn, Blessed Assurance, Jesus is Mine. Number 334. from here as workers in God's upside-down kingdom.
where the last are first and the first are last, where needs are met in miraculous ways, and there is grace enough for all. And may the blessing of God, the love of Jesus Christ, and the presence of the Holy Spirit surround you and sustain you in the days to come. Amen. Superb job, Mary.